There's freedom in Christ, and in the next 21 days, we are going to talk about that freedom. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 8. And if you don't have a Bible with you, I want you to reach into that packet, and there's a little outline with some of the verses that we're going to study today. And in John chapter 8, and in verse 32, uh, actually, let's start in verse 30. We're going to read some context to the truth uh, that Jesus talked about when he said, the truth will make you free. Verse 30, it says, he spake these words. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then Jesus said to the Jews that believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered and said, We be Abraham's seed. We're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, if uh, ye shall be free? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whoso committeth sin is the servant of sin. The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. There are a lot of different quotes and, and little verses in scripture that people take and they'll put on a, uh, on a pillow or, or they'll, you know, they'll memorize it. And one of the great verses to memorize is the, the truth that shall make you free. But I want to tell you something that that truth has so much uh, it rings throughout scripture. It has so much depth to it and there's so much to it. And I hope to kind of touch on it this week and throughout the next few weeks, kind of develop the freedom that we have in Christ. But this last week, my, our internet wasn't working. So I called our internet provider and, and I uh, asked them to help me fix it. And they said, did you plug it in? Did you unplug it and plug it in? I said, yes, a hundred times. And uh, they said, I said, still not working. And they said, well, it looks like it's working now. And I said, well, that's what you said the last few times. And then I got off the phone with you and it stopped working. You know how all this goes. I said, would you please send someone out to look at it? I said, something's wrong with it. It keeps dropping. So finally they send this guy out and, and uh, his name was Anthony. He, he came to the door and a really nice guy knew so much about the internet and uh, helped help me temporarily fix it. They're going to finish fixing it this week, but... Um, but he was talking to me and, and, and he said, Hey, what do you do for a living? Some, most of the times I just say I'm a pastor and I'll invite him to church or whatnot. But for whatever reason, I had some, some things open that he had seen. And I said, uh, he's like, well, what do you do? And I didn't know if he was like, what are you doing? Or what do you do? And I said, well, I study the Bible. And he got kind of the sheepishly, you know, funny grin on his face. And he's like, those are just pages. It was almost like to me, he was, he, he was like, hasn't anyone ever told you that those are just pages? Like those are just words? Like those are just things that, that people have written. How do you just, how do you study just pages, just words? The next few moments, I want to show you how what Jesus said, they were more than words. And they're more than just words on a page. I believe they will be practically helpful and, and transformative for you in your Christian life. Jesus has just finished teaching and, and many scholars point us to the fact that it was probably before sunrise. So he's teaching a group of people on the Mount of Olives. This is the Mount of Olives and it's looking out back toward, you're standing on the Mount of Olives looking toward the temple. 
He would have then walked through, down through the Kidron Valley, almost just across the street and would have walked into the temple area. And he was walking into the temple area right as they were, uh, right as they were finishing a celebration that would have lasted all night. It was the celebration of Hanukkah. It was a celebration of lights. They would have just been putting out the lights on, on this menorah. It would have been something much like this. They would have been just capping the last light when Jesus stood up. And in John 8, he makes this bold claim, I am the light of the world. He was making a claim that only the Messiah could make. He was making a claim that he was the promised one that would come. And as we just read a few moments ago, many believed him. Many believed that he was this person. And then when he was starting to teach them, he said, if you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples. And if you're my disciples, I'll give you freedom. And the one thing they couldn't understand is freedom. Now, what is freedom? The our English word freedom comes from two root words, free and dumb. Uh, and dom, uh, the, the, the suffix, it means the condition or the state of. Free obviously means to be without bound or without uh, restraint. And so it's a state of, of being. Jesus was talking about freedom internally. Paul talked about this in Galatians 5 in verse number 1 when he said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. The word liberty is that same word for freedom. It means to have that state of free choice, the not to be enslaved or, the, or, or to be unbound. But Paul continued when he says, And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Meaning you can be freed internally but still live like you're in bondage. And so I believe that as we start 2023, if we're going to be finally free in 2023, it's going to, it's going to be us experiencing the freedom that he offers at salvation, but not just at salvation, but every day after salvation as well. I believe that experiencing freedom in Christ is one of the greatest motivators to following Jesus. I believe that people around you don't want what you have because they don't see the freedom that Christ has given to you. I believe that if we live out this freedom, that there will be people around you who will say, there's something different about you. There's just something different about the way you interact and the way you look and, and, and it will be the freedom that Christ has done on the inside starting to work its way to the outside. Jesus knew that this would be something that people would be drawn to and Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would, would be the one that would offer freedom. But in Luke chapter four, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus is talking, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and re recovering the sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I believed, I believe that there are some people in this room who are a little discouraged, who have something in your life that only Jesus can approach 
and transform. And I believe that Jesus wants to get into that uncomfortable area. I think he wants to start to deal with it. Now, if I could, and I, I, I want to be respectful of those watching online, and, and, and I, would, I would stand in front of each and every one of you. I'd walk through this whole room, and I'd, I'd, I'd want to have that conversation because it's such a personal moment when, when, you, when you take a moment for reflection and say, am I living in the freedom that Christ has given me? But let me encourage you to do what I've done. A, a, a few times the last few weeks, and I would encourage you to take this inventory as well. But I would encourage you to identify an area that Christ has set you free, but you still remain in bondage. And the reality, church family, is the more honest you are and the harder you look, the more you will find you're going to see some areas, and maybe you're like, Pastor, I don't need to look far. I mean, there are some areas that I've been struggling with for 20 years or whatever. But, but there's going to be some areas that you're going to be confronted with to say, hey, if Christ has given me freedom, why am I not free? Some of you say, well, I can quit at any time, then, then do it. Some of you say, well, well, I'm not really in bondage, just like, like we read the, the Jews said. But, but the reality is, that, that stronghold just gets stronger year after year after year. And so what I'm talking about is not something that a pastor can give. I'm not talking about something that you can go and get at a psychologist. I'm talking about something that only your creator and your savior can do in you. It's freedom. It's freedom in Christ. And today, as we start off, I'm going to give you three different truths, three different truths about freedom and the first is this, that the pathway to freedom, the pathway to freedom is through faithfulness. The pathway to freedom is through faithfulness. The world will tell you that there's great freedom in being unfaithful, unfaithful to the traditional values, unfaithful to the things that have you've learned. And unfaithfulness is edgy and it might bring some pleasure for a season. I want to tell you something. There's great freedom in faithfulness. When Jesus said, if you continue in my words, he's, the word there is meno. It means to stay or abide or remain, uh, to remain faithful. But David talked about this in Psalm 119.44 when he says, so shall uh, I keep the law, thy law, continually forever and ever. He's talking about a continual faithfulness to the law, to the word of God. And then in verse 45, he says, I will walk at liberty, for I will seek thy precepts. You can walk in freedom. You can walk in liberty when you are seeking God's precepts. Jesus says, hey, if you are truly at freedom, if you are free, if you've, if you've been made free, you're my disciple, then you're going to walk in that liberty. You're going to walk in the word. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it look like to be a disciple? Well, a disciple is just this word that means a learner or an imitator. Uh, someone who is not just a believer or a follower, but someone who, uh, who, who mimics, someone who follows every action. Uh, I, I saw a video over the holidays 
of a young girl who uh, had seen had spent some time with her grandmother, and they asked her, "How does your grandmother sit down?" And this is what she did. Hey, how does grandma sit down? <laughs> <laughs> How many of you know, over the years, it takes a little bit more effort to sit down and get back up. A little bit of pain, a little groan there. The little granddaughter had picked up on that and she was mimicking it. Can I tell you that the number one thing that will bring people to Jesus around you is when you mimic how Jesus talked, when you mimic what Jesus does, when you mimic how Jesus responded to people who reviled him. Mimicking, uh, following him. And so when we commit our works to the Lord, our thoughts are established. When we have freedom in our actions, we have freedom in our thoughts. Our heart follows uh, the pathway as we live a life of obedience to Christ. There are some things that are purged. There are some things that are renewed. Now, as I said at the beginning of the service, I was in the hospital uh, uh, for about a week last week. Uh, That's why I wasn't here uh, last Sunday. And uh, one of the things that all the doctors said was to hydrate aggressively. They said, man, you have to drink so much water. And they put me on an IV and they were pumping me with fluids. Can I get one of those waters? Um, and, uh, the, the little one's fine. Uh, and so, and so they said, man, you got to drink as much water and you have to, you have to make sure you're drinking as much water as possible. And, and, uh, and how many of you know, it'd be incredibly flu- foolish. And I was like, man, my stomach kind of hurt. I have four incisions. I'm, I'm like having reactions to medicines. I'm just not feeling great. And so I, I'm just, I'm just going to start. I'm, I'm going to taste some water. Hmm. Mm, I, I just can't. I can't. I, I'll taste it. I'll taste it, but I, I can't. How many of you know, I wouldn't recover if I wasn't willing to swallow the water. This is such a simple illustration. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but let me just tell you something. Let me, let me, let me tell you something I've learned. The imbibing of it is not just learning. So, so when you drink water, going in your mouth is not drinking it. That's tasting it. Drinking it is what happens when you swallow it. When it goes down into your body, it can be used. I want you to know something. That most Christians, and I will tell you, I'll put myself in this. I'm not preaching at you. I'm with you here on this. Most Christians are are educated far beyond their level of obedience. That that we know far more than we are doing. And so freedom in Christ is not about a new little hack or a, a new little plan or this little formula or if you go to this counselor mixed with that book and this little thing. I want to tell you something that it might... Freedom in Christ, you might be confronted with the fact that it might just be doing something God told you to do three years ago and you still haven't. God might be leading you in a pathway to freedom that looks a lot like obedience. It looks a lot like doing what he's called you to do all along. And so how do we know this from the text? How do we know that consistently living out the truth will bring clarity and freedom in the Christian life? Well, 
Because there is no difference between knowing and doing when it comes to God's word. In fact, in, when he says, you shall know the truth, the word truth is gnosko. And the word gnosko literally means to experience by doing. It means to, to, to live this out and to receive the benefits by doing it. It's, it's the same about tasting and, and, and actually drinking, swallowing. You, you, you only are helped by the truth you are doing. And so if you are not living, if you are coming on Sunday and you are sitting here and you are listening to truth and very little of it is going out, praise God for the little, but that little is the only thing that is going to bring freedom in Christ. If you are reading God's word daily, that's awesome. And I would encourage you to do that. But the action of living out the word of God is what brings the benefit of freedom. It's what brings that freedom when he said, you shall know the truth. The word gnosko literally means you will know it by experience. You will know it by doing. You will know it by action. The Holy Spirit leads you to do something. That's something that he's called you to do. I'm telling you, until you take that action, you don't see the benefit. That step of faith of saying, God, I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to do it. Now, how many of you have made some, made some goals in this new year? Okay, you've made, made a few goals or you have some goals or whatever. I want to ask you to take those goals for the entire year, and I want you to put them off to the side just for a second, if you would. And I'm going to ask you to do something that, that I'm, I'm doing myself, and I would encourage all of you, but I've been doing this in counseling for a long time as well, and I've seen God do some incredible things. But I'm asking you to pick one spiritual routine. Now, you can pick more. You can pick, uh, you can pick a... a, a you know, physical routine and, and maybe, maybe a relational routine with your wife or, or, or a friend or whatever, but no more than four, just, just choose, guys, this is an action item. Choose a, a spiritual routine and for 40 days, do that routine. Now, now I will tell you, I will tell you the reason why 40 is the magic number in a second. But I believe that if we will implement for 40 days something that we know God wants us to do, but here's the catch. You don't check on the progress. You surrender the progress to God. You say, I'm going to sow this seed every single day. I'm not going to miss a day. Now, you track your consistency. You track and make sure, hey, you reward yourself for consistency. If you got three days in a row, oh, that's awesome. Man, you reward yourself for that. You don't look at the progress. You let God deal with the progress. When you get to the end of 40 days, that's when you can say, what has God done? I believe God does incredible things in 40 days. I believe 40 days from, from whenever you started, if you started today, I would encourage you to do it today. Okay, we want to be doers of the word, not hearers only. But I believe that when you do this, God's going to allow, he's going to use the consistency and you're going to allow the word of God. And a great spiritual routine would be, I'm going to memorize a verse every single day. I'm going to read the Bible for at least 30 minutes every day. At the end of 40 days, you're going to see something remarkable. Now, I'm not going to give you all the instances, but let me just give you some of the instances of things that have happened over the course of 40 days. It's interesting that God caused it to rain on the earth for 40 days. He reset the earth 40 days. 
Many scholars believe that that 40-day mark is a reset. Many, many uh, sociologists and, and, and psychologists have noted that our minds can reset a pattern in 40-day increments. Moses received God's word for 40 days. It's great saturation to the point that he was glowing when he came down uh, with the tablets um, in Exodus 24. Moses prayed on behalf of Israel for 40 days. There was intercession. I believe there's some answers to prayer that you need. And I believe the next 40 days, if you pray that prayer every single day, especially with the 21 days of prayer and fasting, I believe that God does great things when we pray consistently for a consistent amount of time. Joshua and Caleb, they spied out the land for 40 days. Uh, God, God could have given them the vision on day one, but it took 40 days to see the vision that God had. I believe that you can see great vision and have great clarity in 40 days. Goliath uh, taunted uh, Israel, the Israel army uh, for 40 days, but God gave the victory. Why didn't he give it on day one? Because sometimes victory is found uh, on the 40th day. I'm not saying that there's going to be something magical about the 40th day. It might happen on day two. It might happen on day 35. But I'm just saying, when you say, hey, I don't care what happens, I'm going this, this whole route for 40 days. You see, it's really hard to push for an entire year. But if you'll say, hey, I have one thing that I'm going to do, and it's going to be for 40 days, and I'm going to ask God to do something great. I'm going to ask God to do something incredible. I'm going to ask God to do something miraculous. I believe God will. You see, Jesus overcome t- overcame temptation for 40 days. He saw great victory. You can see great victory in 40 days. Jesus rose uh, to life and was with the disciples for 40 days. We saw that it took 40 days to empower them and to set them up to, uh, for success. And, and I'm just saying that the next 40 days could be the greatest uh, days of your spiritual life if you allow consistency and faithfulness bring you a pathway of freedom. Number two, I want you to see this. I want you to see that freedom has an enemy. See, the enemy of freedom is deception. It's deception. And, and we see this because Jesus said, now you know who I am. Now you know what I want you to do. I want you to continue my word. And their first reaction was, oh, we're not bound. We're not deceived. And I will tell you that that is exactly where Satan wants you to be. We don't have a problem, said every single addict in the world. I don't have a problem. I don't, I don't have an issue. I don't, I don't need this. That's what they say. Look at, look at verse uh, 20, uh, 33. We're Abraham's seed. Don't you know who we are? We're not in bondage to any man. The word bondage, jaleo, means uh, sl- slave or to be in captivity. And he says, truly, truly, alethos, alethos. He's talking about truth, truth seven times in these seven verses. He mentions truth. He goes, truly, truly, the servant of sin. When you commit sin, you are the servant of sin. When you lie, you are the servant to that lie. You have to keep lying in order to keep that lie alive. There's just, there's just, everything, lust. When you, when you, when you have a moment of lust, you, you want more. There's, you're a servant to it. It's, it's, it's the same thing with every other area of life and addiction and, 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 and drugs and alcohol and everything. It, it, it gets you. 
You hold on to it and it holds on to you. You say, but pastor, how do I, how do I, how do I break those chains? How do I, how do I, how do I make, make sure that I'm not in bondage anymore? Well, you have to go back to who you are. You're like, we're, we're Abraham's seed. And Jesus was not saying that they were under physical bondage. He was pointing out the fact they were in bondage to themselves. That they were, they were living in self-perfection and a religiosity, and they were, they were so focused on them being their own savior that they couldn't see that he was their savior. I want to tell you that you have been saved and you have been freed, not so that you will live like you're in bondage. Satan wants you to think and he wants you to live like you are a slave. He wants you to be enslaved to your passions. He wants you to be enslaved to your impulses. He wants you to be enslaved to what culture says. He wants you to be enslaved to what others say about you. But I want to remind you something. You've been set free. And I never, for the rest of your life, I don't believe you'll ever forget the illustration I'm about to share. And it's a horse that for many, many times has been put into reins. They've, he's, been, he's been hooked up to the reins and led around his whole life. And so his owner walks up to him and did this. Now, I love at the end, the horse realizes it is no longer tethered to the reins. Can I tell you something that if you have received Jesus Christ as your savior, Satan no longer has the reins. You are no longer allowed to think that he can bring you into bondage to anything. And just as that horse kind of looked around like, hey, what am I doing? Why am I being led by something, nothing but air? I want to remind you that Satan is not your owner. Satan is not your captor. He is no longer in control of you. God has given you Jesus and Jesus paid your penalty. He sets you free and you don't have to live in bondage to a lie anymore. You can live in spiritual freedom. You see the bondage of deception is in having to keep the lie alive. And if Satan can lie to you about who you are, and if Satan can lie to you about how good God is, and if Satan can lie to you about what he wants you to do, I will tell you, you will stay right where you are. But if you will choose to walk in the newness of life and in the freedom that Jesus gives, you will see a new set of possibilities in 2023. God wants every single person in this room to walk in freedom. But Satan wants you to be in bondage to yourself. So Jesus said, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. It's the servant of sin. You see, 
when we lie once, we have to lie again. We want something more the first time it feels good, and so we do it again. We, 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 we gossip once, and we, we want to gossip again. It made us feel good about ourselves. We, 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 we slander once. We want to slander again. We, we, we do it once. We want to do it again. We stole once. We want to steal, steal again. We want to keep it alive. And all we're doing is getting moments of little freedom. It would be like me putting you underwater and saying, every two, every two minutes, I'll give you a breath. And, and you, you feel that breath and you, oh, it feels so good. And I can't wait for two more minutes. And God wants you to live not underwater, but he wants you to breathe the, the, the oxygen, the breath of life, the ruach that he gives you, the, the spirit wants to give you freedom. But I believe that many of us live a lie because the lie is easier than the truth. Many times, in fact, with children, children lie to their parents because they're more afraid of losing their acceptance or receiving their anger. So we lie because we don't want the truth. But if we realized how much freedom there was in the truth, we would never lie. Let, let, me, let, me, let me bring it really, really close to home. Procrastination. Someone moaned. <laughs> Procrastination is the lie that it will all work out later. Can I tell you, we've told ourselves, I've told myself this lie thousands of times. Can I tell you the truth? The truth is there's never enough time. You say, but there's one time I, I had a project and I got it all done and I still, I mean, I procrastinated, I still got it. You, you got the project done, but the wasting of time in the present forgets that whatever you're wasting now, you're forfeiting later. And there will never be enough time to do what you want. So if someone lined up in front of you all of the opportunities and all the things that you are forfeiting because you're wasting time in the present, you would never waste time. If they said, you, will, you won't be able to part of that and you can't go there, no, I'm sorry, you missed that opportunity because you waste, wasted this time right now. The lie is like, ah, it doesn't matter. Gossip says, Gossip says, they'll never, they'll never find out. Can I, can I let you in on a little secret? If they're gossiping to you, they're also gossiping about you. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you? Uh, I put a verse in your notes. I didn't read it yet, but it, in, in Numbers, it says, be sure your sin will find you out. That, that I will tell you that, that when you decide, hey, I, I can look at these pictures and I can, I can do this little thing over here and no one will ever find about this. I will tell you that no one on planet Earth has ever gotten away with anything. That there is always a harvest when you sow the seed. And I will tell you about deception is the more we sow the lies, the more we will receive captivity, the more we will receive bondage. It is in sowing the truth. It is in coming to grips with the truth. It is in understanding the truth. It is in saying, God, I just want the truth that we receive freedom. So how do we do this? Well, Proverbs says, he that confesses his sins shall not prosper, or he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth, forsaketh his sins shall have mercy. 
I believe one of the greatest things we could do is to prove the freedom of Christ by confessing something we've been lying to ourselves about for a long time to God. And then don't stop there. Go to someone you trust and say, hey, I've been lying to myself too long. I'm struggling with this. Or I have never told anyone this, but it's haunted me. And I no longer want it to haunt me. And so I'm, I'm going to pull it out of the darkness. I'm going to put it in the light. And I'm just, I've told it to God, but I'm, I trust you. And I just, I don't want to live under the power anymore. The moment you take that thing from darkness and you put it into the light, God can start to give you freedom. As long as you keep it in the darkness, you give it power over you. God says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. You protect the lie by another lie and you protect what's in the dark with more darkness. God will bring as the light of the world, he will bring you into a place of freedom when you are willing to bring what's in the darkness into the light. True revival happens when you stop caring so much about what everyone else thinks and you start caring what God thinks. Let me tell you something. I don't, want a ch- I don't want to be a part of a church where everyone's like acting like they got it all together. I want to be a part of a church who cares enough to have the tough conversations with the right people to have freedom in Christ, not fake freedom, not just temporarily f- free, but finally free. Listen, this is the year. This is the time. This is the moment. So number three, I want you to see the third truth about freedom is that the key to freedom is identity. Now, if you've been here any length of time, I've talked a lot about identity, but I just believe that you cannot talk about identity enough. You just can't. And Jesus said a verse, when we quote these verses, many times we pull them out of context. You cannot pull the words of Jesus out of context. Then they are just words on a page, right? They have to be in context. And when Jesus said, the truth will make you free, he wasn't just talking about the words, the statements. He was talking about himself. When he said in verse 35, the servant abideth not in the house, not a place, There's no acceptance. You feel rejected. But when you are a child of God, when you're a son, when you're a son, you're accepted. The son abideth in the house forever. Okay, so there's an abiding there. There's a closeness. Then he says, if the son shall make you free, if the way, the truth, and the life, if he's going to make you free, then you will be free indeed. And Indeed is not just a website to get a job. (laughs) It is a word that means adelphos, truth. You will be free, not just through the truth, not just by the truth, but you will be freed in the truth. Now, let me me illustrate it this way. Uh, Could you bring up that uh, candle and the lighter? I'm going to illustrate this and then we'll be finished. But 
when God's, when it says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, um, the word God is Elohim in Hebrew. The middle letter of Elohim is Yod. It's important. Then he says that he created man. Uh, obviously, man is Adam. And there's, there's lots of different word for man. But, but the word nephesh is talking about the soul. Nephesh, okay, is, is, esh is, is actually the deepest part of man. When you talk about in Hebrew, the internal man, you would actually use the word ish. It's very similar, but ish, okay? So man equals ish. Fire in Hebrew, fire is ish. I want to talk about your identity in Christ. And they've put up some, some of the Hebrew words there. Um, these are two Hebrew letters that make up the word for fire. Um, this is the word um, aleph, right? The first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And the reason why we read it from huh, right to left is because that's how their language is written. But it's aleph and shin, okay? And it's pronounced because aleph is silent. It's pronounced ish. When you talk about the innermost part of man, you talk about ish. So not ish, but ish. And please don't lose me. I'm not trying to, listen, I don't know. I can't speak Hebrew fluently or whatever. I just study my brains out because I want to know exactly what God's talking about. And, and I, I think this will be a huge help to you because I'm talking about your identity. So I'm, I'm losing some of you and I don't want to. Don't, I don't want to lose you in the words. I want, I want you to get what's behind them. When I'm talking about your identity, this is what I'm talking about. That the word for man is ish. And the only difference between fire and man is the, is the middle letter, yod. The word for ish is, is that, that aleph, yod, and shen. And it talks about a fire within a person, the light within a person. This is how scholars describe the hope within a person or the happiness within a person, the expectation, the enjoyment. If the fire goes out, all hope goes out. Every person in this room, when you were born, you were born into a broken world with broken desires and broken habits and broken thought patterns. And you were born to broken parents, but you were also born with a spark inside you. You were born with something that said, I was made for more. You were born with this with ish inside you. There's something inside you and that's your true identity. And I want to tell you something about the fire that's inside you. The more that you feed these flames, the more you focus on the identity of who you are in Christ, 
the more that it will encapsulate and it will overcome and it will burn out all of those habit patterns and all of those things that you are in bondage to and all of those things that you've struggled with for years, you can find freedom, but it is not in trying to do it from the outside in. It is doing it from the inside out. It is seeing this flame grow, the deepest part of you grow, that God says, you can be made free. You can be made new. So you say, well, I'm pastor. Where is that in scripture? I am so glad you asked. Because in Romans chapter eight, and there's so many different places, but in Romans chapter eight, that's supposed to say, yeah. So in Romans chapter eight and verse number 20, it says, for the creature was made subject to vanity. You were born in vanity, man. It's all empty without Jesus. You were born brokenness, not willingly. You weren't born willingly into a broken world. You didn't sin. You didn't choose your dysfunction. <laughs> no way. But by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. So there's a little spark. There was something else that was born inside you, not just vanity, but hope. Well, what's the hope? Verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I'm telling you, if you look at that hope, you look at that spark, you say, there's just a little bit of light in the darkness. I'm telling you, you fan that flame. You say, this is who I am. This is what God has made me to do. God can do something great with it. If you look around and say, there's nothing here. All hope is gone. Everything is bleak. Everything is dark. You will see the darkness. But if you look at the light, you will see the light. Jesus standing in the temple said, I am the light of the world. And when he said that, he was not just making a claim that was a falseless claim. I'm telling you, he was making a claim that was to every person in this room and in every person in the Palmdale area. He wants you to know there is freedom. You can be finally free in Jesus Christ. He's your light. Listen, I'm not your light. Self-help books aren't your light. He's your light. And so it's the identity in Jesus Christ that changes you. So let me encourage you to make the decision today. Decide to begin to live out this identity as a child of God and embrace the freedom that he gives you. Because I will tell you, understanding who you are it will defeat the enemy of deception and it will unlock in so many ways the freedom that is found in faithfulness to the truth.